Welcome to our back porch. We are so excited that you've chosen to join us. And can I just ask you a favor? Would you just touch the share button right now? And would you breathe a prayer as you do that for those people who will watch this video later that the words that we speak over you and those to come would be words that would be encouraging or strengthening, comforting, or even as uh, today, they might be challenging. So today we want to talk about the importance of Sabbath in the life of a Christ follower. Um, it is not an understatement to say that we are living in interesting times. Uh, we spent two months shut down and we watched people and, the, and their habits change. We saw children playing outside more. We heard of families gathering around the, their table to eat meals and play games and puzzles sold out at stores. And we slowed down and we got a taste of rest. And so now as things are opening up, I keep hearing people say, I can't wait to get back to normal. But I'm just going to be honest and say, I pray that the lives that we call normal will never be the same. I believe that the Lord is trying to teach all of us something in this pandemic. I'm sure there's a list for me. I can't presume upon you. But <clears throat> I also believe that universally, the Lord has something to say to us that might sound like this. Please stop. It is, you have been on this rat race for too, far too long. The fast track. It's time to change your habits. It's time to change your mindset of life. It's time to change your pace. And then I think he would go on to say, I gave you a way to find rest. I even made it a commandment. And you have chosen to reject that as if it never really applied to you. So we are all, we've all fallen victim to overcommitted lives. Uh, our lives fall somewhere between full and overflowing. And we battle life to make use of every single minute. And the result of that is exhaustion. It's numbness to God and numbness to self and numbness to life. And our very minds and bodies and souls are weary. Busyness is not spiritual and busyness is not healthy. So what we want to share with you today is sourced from our own individual study, our experiences, and then a powerful book entitled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. So in this busy, distracting world, God offers us a way to get back to him, a place where we can get grounded and recentered. And so Peter just um, gives us the solution in his book, and he says it can be found in two ancient disciplines, and that is the daily office and the Sabbath. So these two disciplines are powerful declarations about God, ourselves, and our relationships, but also our beliefs. But they're completely opposite from the ways of this present culture. So before we begin, let me pray. Father, we come to you. We ask you to forgive us for the ways that we ignore your word, the things that you have given us that are for our best. God, your ways are meant to keep us healthy and vital Christ followers on mission for sharing the gospel. Speak to each of us today through the words you have given us. Lord, we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When I was a young girl, I remember that each week in Sunday school, we were given an, um, an offering envelope, and we were not only to put our offering in that envelope, but it had 
some boxes on the front that we were to check off the spiritual things that we did that week. And it some, went something like this. Did you read your Bible every day? Or did you study your Sunday school lesson? Or did you reach out and invite someone to come to church with you? And can I just tell you that as a child, that envelope checklist made me feel guilty. And then as a teenager, we were taught that daily quiet times were essential to spirituality. And if we did them early in the morning, it was even more spiritual. Um, being the guilt magnet that I am, if I couldn't check off the daily quiet time, uh, I assumed that spiritual was not attainable for me. And I just moved right back to guilt. And so while those are really good disciplines and practices, what I really didn't do was catch the reasons or the desired results of those practices. Um, I didn't understand that with each practice I would come to know and love the Lord more. And I didn't understand that it wasn't about my performance or that checklist. It was about my love for the Lord. So as we take a look at the first spiritual practice, the daily office, first I want us to be reminded that spiritual disciplines or practices come out of a heart of surrender and love for the Lord, never from a place of guilt or legalism. <clears throat> In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro shares a story of life in the far north where blizzards would come um, quickly and fiercely and they were extremely dangerous and where you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And he tells of how farmers would prepare for those blizzards by tying a rope to the back door of their home and out to the barn, they could ensure that they could safely get back. And without a rope, people froze to death in those blizzards and often they were in their own backyards. And so today I feel like we are lost in a storm. Um, I feel like it's not just because of the craziness of 2020. I think we were already there living crazy lives full of demands and expectations. And we need a rope that will bring us back to a God who understands exactly what we need. He knows what is best for us. And so the daily office is one of those ropes meant to draw us back to the reset button of our daily routines. When done as a want to rather than a have to or a checklist on the Sunday school envelope, this practice can bring a sense of order and peace to our days. So the root of the daily office is not really a turning to God to get something, but it is a coming to him to be with him. Um, it reminded me um, of a time when I would go to the office with my dad and I would see him work and I would get to know him differently because I was watching him in his office, in his place. And um, the Latin word for office is work. And in the day, in the early church, it, their daily office was all about acknowledging the work of God. And so um, as I personally have explored the daily office, I see it as a time that I can step into the office as I did with my daddy. Uh, where I can be a part of and see what God is doing. So when I step into the daily office, I can view the power and awesomeness of my creator who calls me his daughter. 
Uh, and what flows from that time in the office is a connection with my Abba Father, where I can simply acknowledge who he is and what he's doing and allow him to show me what he would like to do in my life. So a few elements of the daily office. One is stopping daily. This is a discipline, uh, and I'm still working on that, but it's stepping away from work and pausing to spend time with the Lord. Another is centering, um, which just means being still and knowing God. It's a time to release tensions and distractions and really to come to understand what it means to fully rest in the Lord. This is so awesome, that thought. And then the next one is silence. Dallas Willard calls silence and solitude two of the most radical disciplines of the Christian life, and I suspect that's because we don't do it very often. But silence is the practice of being absent from people and things so that we can be attentive to God. And then there's scripture. Reading scripture, meditating on scripture, allowing the Lord to speak to us through scripture in these times of the daily office. I'm kind of living in Psalm 34 right now and loving that I get to see something new every day when I go there. So understand this. These are suggestions. There are no rules, no wrong ways, no right ways. Just simply giving yourself time to set apart to be with, with the Lord, to completely reconnect and recenter our hearts and minds in who he is. Would you pray with me? Father, may we come to understand the importance of connecting with you. During each day, Father, allow us to see you and know you and come away from that time refreshed and ready to return to our work. May we do this because of our love for you, because of our need for you, and because we desire to know you more. Amen. So the Ten Commandments give us um, our instructions that God has given to his people. And it's not God's intent to place a burden of rules on us. Like Cindy said, it's not about legalism. But God gave us these best practices for living because he loves us. And one of those best practices is the Sabbath. And so we find God's plan for Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So Sabbath in Hebrew literally means to stop or to cease working. It refers to doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period um, each week. It's meant to be each week. And that is a hard concept for most of us, to stop working, whether it's checking your emails or finishing up one more project or actually going into the office. We struggle to stop working. We are conditioned for busyness and distractions, and honestly, the silence scares us. We don't want to be silent. But there's some reasons that, that we should Sabbath. The first reason we should Sabbath is because that's how we're made. We are wired for a rhythm of working and resting. God created us in his own image, and one of the ways that we imitate God is by resting, by stopping from work. Let's look again at Exodus 
uh, chapter 20, verse 11. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So God created us for rhythm of working and resting in him, which is so countercultural for us. Um, the world sees rest as laziness and inefficient, and it continually propels us to go, go, go. But working without stopping is exhausting. It wears on our minds, it wears on our bodies, it wears on our spirits. We are called out of that kind of living. We are called to a richer, fuller existence, one where we're replenished by the rhythms of work and rest. In Mark 2.27, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not legalistic. It's a gift, a very wise gift, because God knows what is absolutely best for us. He knows what we need. And when we refuse to stop working in order to rest, we are refusing God's rhythm of life that he created for us. And another reason we should Sabbath is to make room for God in our lives taking time to put him in his rightful place as Lord of our lives. Um, it is one day a week where God says, don't do any work, be still, enjoy me. Disconnect from technology, take a nap, enjoy food, enjoy people, and prioritize relationships. Uh, Sabbath is not just another obligation. As Tanya said, it's a gift, and it's and it's a new way of thinking. We have abandoned the Sabbath in our culture. So as we slow down and make room for God, we will find him in unexpected ways. If you recall when Elijah was worn out and needing to hear from God, God came to him in an unexpected way. He came to him in a whisper. And I will tell you that the whisper, the silence after the chaos for Elijah and for us, is the full presence of God. So as with Elijah, God invites us to stand and wait for him to speak, to allow him entrance in, in his full presence. Would you make that a part of your Sabbath? And then another part of Sabbath is the surrender of our heart. Um, we say surrender a lot around here. Peter Scazzera said, if we only stop when we're finished with our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. Part of surrendering means embracing our limits, admitting our weaknesses, and giving up what we cannot do. That's hard. We live in a world that champions independence. That's a way to go, you can do it mentality. That's good for, for an encouragement. But we have to be careful not to use that as a means of taking God out of the equation of what we do. So pray with me. Lord, on the Sabbath, may we acknowledge our need for you and our dependence on you. And may Sabbath be a reminder for us that apart from you, we can do nothing. Amen. So next we're going to talk about how to Sabbath. There are four elements that we're going to discuss on ways that, that you can Sabbath. And, the, and um, as we said, Sabbath is not about legalism. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. For many of us, it is. For me, it's not because I work. But actually, in the Jewish culture, Sabbath started Friday night and went into Saturday. So it's really any 24-hour period 
that works for you where you are in your week that you can stop from work. And there's a difference between a day off and a Sabbath. Sabbath has a goal, and that is to refocus and to refresh. And particularly, we want to refocus our hearts and mind on God. So how do we Sabbath? First is to stop. And that's built right into the meaning of the word Sabbath, as we said earlier. Most of us really struggle to stop because our work never ends, like Cindy says. If we're waiting for it to end, it won't. There's always something else to do. So Sabbath comes not when we're ready, not when everything's done, but we need to stop when it's time to stop because it's time to stop. Whatever day you picked, it's time to stop, no matter what work you have still going on. Um, this is how we embrace our limits in Sabbath, and this is one way we surrender and glorify and honor God. We realize that we can't do it all, and we're not meant to do it all. God is on his throne, and he keeps the world spinning. He's the only one, so it is okay for us to stop. Things aren't going to fall apart. Your life is not going to fall apart if you take a break for 24 hours. In fact, it's beneficial. There's a story that Peter tells in this book about a group of Christians who were traveling out to Oregon uh, by wagon, and at first, they were observing the Sabbath every week, every week, every week. But then they began to worry that they weren't going to make it to Oregon before winter. So they kind of had a split in the group where half of them wanted to push through the Sabbath and travel every day so they could make it in time. And then the other half wanted to continue the practice of observing the Sabbath each week. So they went their separate ways. One group pushed through. The other group kept the Sabbath. And guess what? The group who kept the Sabbath made it there first because they were rested, their animals were rested, and so they were able to work harder on the, on the six days that they were working. And so that is a great illustration for us. We think that pushing through is more efficient and productive, and that's what our culture tells us, but God knows better. He tells us to stop. So the second element of Sabbath is rest. Beyond stopping, we need to rest. God rested after his work. He created the world in six days and rested from that work on the seventh. We, however, are nonstop humans. It often takes an illness or something serious to get us to stop and slow down and rest. And in this culture, it's taken a pandemic for most of us to stop and rest. And as Cindy said, we're still waiting to get back to normal. We don't even like the rest that we've been giving. So how, how do you rest? What do you do? You rest by doing things that delight and replenish you. You might have to take a little bit of time to stop and think about what those are for you. Um, in particular, maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's reading a good book. Maybe it's just sitting in nature or taking a nap. And then as you learn to rest, you might also realize that you need to break from other things besides work. Maybe you need to break from technology or worry or hurriedness or, in my case, decision-making. On my Sabbath, I try not to make any decisions if I can help it. Um, and then... This kind of rest also means that you might have to find other time in the week to do the things that you would normally do on that day. Maybe that's your day to meal prep or to look at your calendar and plan things out for the week or run your errands or whatever. You might have to move things around and do a little bit of work um, so that you're not doing those things on your Sabbath and you can truly rest. Another part of Sabbath, as uh, Tanya has referred, is delight. I like Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 from the message. Uh, and it says, if you are careful with the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you will treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you will honor it by refusing business as usual, making money or running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. 
when we allow room in our lives for Sabbath, we make room in our lives for God to be our delight. Delight means joy, wonder, and play. And all three of those words should make you smile when I say them. They're awesome words, but they all take a, a bit of intention. <clears throat> so here are a few ways to make delight a part of your Sabbath. First, delight in what you've been given. Uh, we are a blessed people. Acknowledge to God that he has blessed you and thank him for all that he's done for us. And Psalm uh, 136 reminds us over and over that his love endures forever. That, that is so much a part of our delight. And then delight in creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And my son Robbie has a song on his, one of his albums that says, Go outside and praise the God who mapped the stars out in the sky. He is our king. And then take delight in people. Allow room in your day and in your heart for the Holy Spirit to direct you to people or conversations that might be encouraging or uplifting. And right now, there are a lot of lonely people who need some kind of touch to help them know they're still loved. Um, and then the last is to enjoy healthy play. Adults don't think about play, nor do we actually connect play with God. But he wants us to make a place in our lives for enjoyment. Uh, it's refreshing to our souls. So it might be sports or games with friends or dancing with your kids or visiting a park or museums or just finding a way to laugh. Make pure fun and joy part of your Sabbath. And the fourth element of Sabbath is to contemplate. Spend some time in your Sabbath about being intentional to, in contemplation. Again, Sabbath is not only a break in work, but it's also holy to the Lord. So your, your Sabbath should include worship, prayer, and scripture. Also, it's a time to slow down and just to look at your life. See where God is working. Maybe journal is a good way. Uh, see the beauty of creation, as, as Cindy said. Practice thankfulness. Explore your deepest longings. Most of us don't have time or take time to really explore our dreams and our longings. And then contemplate the temporary nature of this life. Let your mind wander to eternity and how this world is just a preparation for that day. It might take some work. You might have to make a, a plan of how you're going to fit worship and prayer and the word and silence and solitude into your into your Sabbath day. You might also have to think about um, what things you need to finish before your day begins so that you can truly enjoy um, that day of rest. But whatever it looks like, you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. So please use it. Let's pray. Father, we come and we thank you for this gift of Sabbath. In your divine wisdom, you know exactly what we need. It's not a rule that you hold over us but it's a way for us to just find delight in you. Help us to understand our need for you and our need for rest. Teach us how to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. It's for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we close, I simply want to pray a couple of lines from a familiar hymn. So would you join me as we pray these? Father, take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. 
take our moments and our days and let them flow in ceaseless praise. Lord, may this be our prayer to you each and every day. Amen. We pray you have a blessed week.